Welcome to the Women's Wisdom, Our Journey in Emergency Medicine podcast, a production of the Women in Emergency Medicine section of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. Join Dr. Molly Estes as she's joined by prominent women in emergency medicine and other special guests. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Women's Wisdom Podcast. My name is Molly Estes. I'm clinical faculty at Loma Linda University in Southern California, and I'm very pleased to welcome to the show today, longtime listener, first-time caller, Dr. Kara Cantor, joining us from actively snowing Massachusetts. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Thrilled to be here. It is my pleasure entirely. So Dr. Cantor is currently uh, sequestered in her hospital, uh, frantically hoping that she doesn't get snowed in on her way home, or maybe that's just me projecting from somebody who doesn't typically experience real winter. So we are incredibly excited that she was able to join us for this conversation. And as with most of our guests that we have on the show, she has been very gracious and willing to share some of her personal story and her journey with us today. We can't thank you enough for being with us. Oh, I'm excited to have the opportunity. So when we were talking before we started the recording, you mentioned that you had a pretty unique experience, even within the unique experiences that can happen in medical school. Tell us a little bit more about that. Absolutely. Yes. So I um, was no stranger to feeling as an early medical student that I had every disease process that I was learning about, right? I'm glad it wasn't just me being a hypochondriac. <laughs> so, um, so every so often I would have, you know, some symptom and read about it and freak out and then talk myself out of it. So that's fine. Um, I did kind of fall of my second year I was experiencing some abdominal pains um, that were lasting a couple of days uh, longer than I usually let my my symptoms go for. So being a good pre-emergency physician, I went to student health. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for visiting your primary (laughs) care doctor. (laughs) And they were a little bit concerned about me. They actually ended up sending me to the ED uh, more for an uh, appy workup. and I had a CAT scan as part of that workup. I did not have appendicitis. I did have some um, kind of ileitis findings on, on the CAT scan just and an incidentally uh, noted seven centimeter uh, pancreatic mass um, and had my pancreas. So I love how you just kind of throw that out there. So (laughs) incidentally noted seven centimeter. Oh my God. What was it like sitting there and getting this news. You were, you said that you were a second year medical student at the time. I was a second year med student. I was alone in the emergency department at the, oh you know, at, the at the hospital affiliated with, with my med school. Um, my parents were, you know, a couple hours away out of state. Um, but I was fine. You know, I was stable. <laughs> um, it was just really emotionally stressful to hear this news kind of knowing just enough to be terrified, but not enough or almost maybe too much um, to feel okay with kind of what the next steps are. So um, they told me about the finding. I immediately freaked out, started Googling. Um, and actually I was, hadn't even been discharged yet when I, in my head, decided I knew what I had. Um, so I was Googling <laughs> all the different, uh, the different kinds of pancreatic tumors. There was one that was super rare 
that primarily affects women, you know, in their second or fourth decade of life and, you know, does metastasize, but is kind of low malignant potential, surgery is curative. So I'm reading this, it's like 0.2% of the population, something really, really unlikely. But I was like, this is probably what I have. Um, and then next steps were, you know, I actually, my, my mentor, my like pre-assigned mentor at the time was a gastroenterologist. So I, I emailed her from the hospital bed <laughs> because I was like, they're telling me I need to see a GI doctor. Um, can you help me out? <laughs> so <laughs> she hooked me up with, um, a colleague of hers who did my, did my biopsy. And, um, it actually was this, uh, this thing. <laughs> I had oh, stop it. What are the, what are the chances? <laughs> um, and so the surgery was curative, so I needed a, a Whipple. So that's what I had. Um, I took six weeks off in the fall of um, my second year to, to go home, uh, have the surgery at home, and recover and, and get back to, uh, to med school. <laughs> so that whole experience kind of from the initial uh, you know, incidental finding through the surgery um, really had a profound impact on my medical education. Um, just the patient experience aspect that, you know, we read about, we spend a lot of time interviewing patients. There's a lot of more narrative medicine in, in med school than even probably when I was there, you know, 10 plus years ago. Um, but experiencing kind of the other side of things, the uncertainty kind of really, uh, really impacted my, my medical career. I was able to kind of reflect on the experience, write about it a little bit. Um, I actually, throughout the experience, had a lot of residents and medical professionals trying to, medical professionals, excuse me, trying to uh, talk me out of going into emergency medicine as part really? of that. So a lot of the kind of anesthesiologists, the surgeons I encountered, they're like, oh, don't you want to know what, like, your doctor that that saw you that day and diagnosed you has no idea what's happening to you now don't you wouldn't you want to know and it's I, it's I, an audio podcast so you guys can't see me roll my eyes right now <laughs> but I, there there is a little bit of eye rolling um nothing against our co-specialty colleagues out there but come on guys <laughs> i stuck with it despite all of that uh um the advice on the contrary but i ended up you know, staying, staying with emergency medicine, I felt like the providers that the, the physician that I saw initially, um, all the, the nursing and ancillary staff that kind of helped me through the shock of the, the initial kind of diet finding um, was the most helpful in that experience. Um, because that that was, that was really when I was most uncertain about kind of next steps. And, um, and that was where the, the medical, the healthcare system intervenes in a, in a positive way for me. Uh, and it really only reinforced my, my interest in, in emergency medicine and uh, kind of the impact that, that I could have on a scared patient learning something terrifying and potentially devastating um, on, you know, one of the worst days of their life. So you, you kind of sum up your story with like, oh yeah, and that's my Whipple story. And <laughs> anybody in medicine who has half knowledge about exactly what goes into a Whipple can read in between the lines and everything that goes into that. And there are just so many different parts of this experience that I find absolutely fascinating and would love to 
dive into if we had three hours um, for this particular episode. Um, let me just follow up with a, a couple of questions. So how as a patient sitting there by yourself in the emergency room, like you said, with, you know, your parents two hours away, sure, classmates close by, and you've probably formed some good friendships, you know, a year into medical school, but you have to be asking your, yourself the question of what do I do now as a patient in that situation? How was the emergency medicine team able to help you? And quite honestly, what could they have done better? What were you processing in that moment? I, I do remember, you know, there, there's some frustration. I was, I was a horrible patient. I was, <laughs> I wanted to be discharged immediately. Like in retrospect, I am a little embarrassed of my, my behavior. So I apologize to the people treating me at the time. Um, so I came in with abdominal pain. I had a lot of diagnostics. We found this, we found kind of a reason for my pain with this terminal ileitis. Um, and then this kind of bomb that was dropped on me with this tumor. Um, and then I was tachycardic kind of maybe rightfully so. Uh, and there was a yeah, lot of justified. Like, oh, can't, can't discharge you until your heart rate goes get down. I was like at 120 in retrospect. Now, knowing what I know now, I would have been like, just, I'm not going to sue you. Just let me, let me go. I need to like process <laughs> these, these, these things. Um, so that was, I remember a little bit frustrating, um, that I felt like I was just kind of staying, being held until, you know, I looked better on paper, but I, how was I being punished for your very <laughs> justified feelings in the moment? Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, there was a lot, a lot of more critical stuff going on. Again, I was stable. I was not a, I was not a priority, you know, but, uh, but what the information I was given was really kind of devastating and, and scary. And, um, and I was processing it mostly by myself. Um, so that it wasn't from, you know, lack of empathy on the treating provide, you know, physicians and, and, and the rest of the staff. Um, but it was, it was more just kind of it not being, not being an environment where you want, <laughs> you want to process kind of scary and devastating information. So, um, so it yeah. was helpful that I did, you know, I did have a classmate come, come sit with me and, um, one of the surgeons that we had been working with on a rotation kind of came through and recognized us and looked at my scan. And I felt, you know, I felt supported, um, as a student and, you know, in, as a you know, member of the hospital staff, uh, and, you know, like I, I mentioned, my, my mentor kind of helped me with the, with the next steps as well. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, there, there's a lot of room, I think for, for improvement kind of a, across the board, we are constantly, and this is 10 years ago now, um, what we are dealing with day to day in the emergency department, um, with less staff and less resources than we've ever had before is making a lot of these, um, experiences for our patients really challenging, you know, and, um, kind of for me, just trying to remember how I felt and the little things that I can do to make patients a little bit more comfortable in this already very uncomfortable environment. And, um, on one of the worst days of their lives and receiving, sometimes really, really reassuring news, sometimes really, really scary news, um, trying to, to make that experience as, I don't want to say as, as pleasurable as possible, but uh, minimizing the kind of discomfort associated with the, 
with an emergency department visit. And you already answered my second question, which is just simply how has this affected the way that you approach these types of conversations with your own patients now that you are a practicing clinician? I I often reflect and find myself thinking after I do give a patient any kind of information, whether it's good, bad, or otherwise, I find myself sitting there trying to rephrase the question of, so do you have any questions 30 seconds after I've delivered a mini medical lecture on whatever it is that I have to share? And as the years have gone on, I find myself saying more and more to my patients, okay, so that was a lot of information. Um, I know that you haven't had time to fully process it yet. Do you have any questions right now? Okay, well, this is what you do two, three, four weeks down the road, days, weeks, whatever it is. This is what you do when you do have questions. This is the place that you go to once you've actually had time to process it. Because it's true. We are delivering huge quantities of information that has taken us years to be able to process and perfect. Who in their right mind would have all the questions that they needed to ask right there immediately? No one. That's ridiculous. Totally, totally. So, and another thing I, I, I do is ask if there's anybody they want to call that wants to hear this conversation, um, just another set of ears to, to process and uh, another brain to, to ask some questions um, or clarify. Oh, I really like things. that. Um, I really, really like that. I, I think I'll start trying to roll that into my practice too. That's a really good suggestion. So out of this incredible for general definitions of the term incredible, um, this completely, you know, unexpected experience as a medical student, um, through which you managed to maintain your vigor and fire for pursuing emergency medicine. The next several years, you mentioned when we were talking that there have been a number of quote, happy accidents that have led you to where you are today. Share with us some of those accidents, because I love those completely unexpected moments that we reflect back on as part of our journey. Totally. And at most since med school, most of the kind of big transitions in my life, I, I would attribute to, to a happy accident, each, each and every one. So from residency, so I went to, um, I went to Temple for residency. Um, when I was applying, I was living in New York for med school, families in Boston. Um, I was basically just looking at New York and Boston, and I was told I didn't have enough programs um, that I was looking at. So I added Philadelphia as another city, really, because I didn't have to fly there. It was easy for me to... Uh, <laughs> to no, to seriously, back in the day when it. you had to pay to get everywhere for residency interviews, money was an issue. <laughs> exactly. Yes. So I just kind of looked at the map and decided kind of the next city over um, that was easy for me to get to is what I would look at. Uh, so I went um, and interviewed at a bunch of, uh, you know, a bunch of programs in, in the Philadelphia and surrounding area, which Temple was one. And I totally just fell in love with this program and ended up ranking it um, highly and, and matching there. And I, uh, was thrilled and so, uh, it was so unexpected. I also went to, um, went to a med school that was not, um, for them in the emergency, uh, department. It was, you know, a four-year program, um, very kind of focused on other four-year, four-year programs. So it was one of the, Temple was one of the few threes that I, that I looked seriously at. And, um, don't know that I would have if I hadn't been kind of forced to to expand my horizons. 
Um, and it was just, it just felt uh, like such a good fit from the beginning. And I, I look back on those years and some of the best friends that I've made and I got involved in AEM through Temple. Um, and it was just such a awesome, happy accident that really kind of um, set the course for, for my really career in emergency medicine um, and my involvement in, in AEM. So um, that was kind of the first happy accident. The second one was my ultrasound fellowship. So I, I did, um, I was dry. I was actually flying home from AEM with the uh, director and associate director of the fellowship at, at Temple. Um, I was a second year, kind of not sure what I was going to do next. Uh, my husband was in, um, and my fiance, I guess at the time was in law school and we were off by a year. So he, so I was going to graduate residency, um, a year before he was going to finish law school. So mm -hmm. I was looking to stay in the area, didn't know what else was, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so the, my fellowship director was kind of lamenting that there wasn't a lot of interest in the, in the fellowship this year. And what are we going to do? And we're going to have to go recruit some more. And I was kind of, I've always loved, I've always loved ultrasound. We have a really strong program. Um, and a lot, a lot of research and a lot of um, education in the, with the med school. There are just a lot of opportunities for that. And I was involved in that since my intern year, um, just because it was a lot of fun. And so I'm on this flight with them. And I was like, I, I want to do it. <laughs> it gives a whole new meaning to the phrase, you know, the 36,000 foot view, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this is perfect it puts me on you know puts me back on the same you know um timeline as my husband and kind of lets me stay in the temple family for another year before I kind of go out into the world and figure out what I want to do and it was such a fun year um kind of dip my toes in the attending life still feeling quite supported by my you know my home program and uh it allowed me to kind of get where where I am today so from from Temple, I, I took a, a job at Jefferson Northeast and also in Philadelphia, um, which was amazing. I love the, love everyone there. I, I miss them a lot. Um, so I stayed, I guess I can backtrack and say that after fellowship, I put it on my husband where we were going to go next because he was graduating law school. Your choice, honey. You got to make and the next I was, move. I was happy to do whatever. Um, and the kind of the two decisions were either to stay, kind of stay in the Philly area or, or go back home. He's also from the Boston area. Uh, and his that decision was going to be bigger because he was going to need to be barred in one of these states. Um, so we decided we would, we would, you know, he would make that decision. And wherever we go, we would stay for five years because that minimum, because that is what you needed to have reciprocity in, um, in the bars. Of, uh, mm -hmm. For the different state, different state uh, exactly. credentialing, yeah. Exactly. So he wanted to stay in Philly. Great. I got this awesome job um, at Jeff North East. And then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Yeah. And then we're kind of, you know, not seeing our family so much anymore. Um, my first nephew, our first nephew was born in the summer of 2019. So we missed, you know, um, a decent chunk of his first year of life. And husband again it's like I, I think we made the wrong decision we have to go home like we're, we don't see our family anymore we're missing the boys growing up and I, I said you know okay but you know there are hiring freezes it's really hard to get a job I was ultrasound faculty 
So I was like, this is going to be even harder to get a job in Massachusetts in ultrasound. Did about a couple minutes of Googling and the hospital that I'm currently at was recruiting an ultrasound director to start an, ultra, you know, an emergency ultrasound program. Um, and so we ended up kind of reworking. We were already having a co kind of COVID wedding and we ended up kind of reworking our our wedding slash honeymoon such that we could spend some time in Northampton, Massachusetts, where I currently am, uh, because it is about you know two hours from Boston, two and a half hours from New York, not anywhere near where we actually grew <laughs> grew up, um, <laughs> and very different because it's not in a in a major city. So we decided to take a couple of weeks, um, learn the town, and see if we would want to live here. And I interviewed for this job while was while we were on our honeymoon and. Out of pure curiosity, where were you originally supposed to go for your honeymoon? Uh, South Africa. <laughs> okay, got it. So from South Africa to uh, Western Mass. Yep. There you go. Yeah. Very exactly. similar. You know, very very exotic places. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We won't uh, we won't ask about you know the lions and tigers and bears of uh, <laughs> Western Massachusetts. Continue. Continue. So. so I interviewed really hit it off with the with the leadership and the other um the other attendings here and we ended up moving um and he ended up having to take the Massachusetts bar but that's fine and uh and we've been here for two years and it's it's been really great um you know a big change but it, it, it's really worked out for us uh being a lot closer to family being in a smaller you know this is truly a community hospital which is not what what I um have experienced really in um, so that has been a change for me, um, and I've kind of latched on a little bit more, I think, to, to my involvement in AEM to kind of um, support kind of that the educational kind of component of, of my job that I, I don't have as much of here, um, but it's kind of been a nice, a nice balance between two kind of big, big parts of my my career, which is my involvement in AEM and, and my actual full-time job. <laughs> and my, and my reels job. Um, if there was one particular role that you would really like to highlight, what's been your favorite? And I use air quotes for favorite because yes, of course, everything is, you know, equally wonderful, but honestly, what's been your favorite? I'm going to give you two, if that's okay, for very different reasons. Fine, I'll allow okay. it. <laughs> Appreciate it. So <laughs> I have been, um, since 2020, I, I took over um, chairing the open mic competition. And that has just been such a fun job. Uh, getting to hear all these young speakers that are so dynamic and incredible and have a role in, in elevating them to the main stage um, has just been so, so enjoyable. Um, and some of these speakers, you know, there's, I think we have eight slots that, um, that you can sign up for ahead of time and then eight on site. And some of the people that just show up and wing it and just do phenomenally. It's, it's just, it's really amazing to watch some people are, are really, really gifted and you're one of them. Um, <laughs> well, okay, many years ago now <laughs> on this stage, and 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 so so many open, prior open mic, you know, uh, participants and winners have have gone on to have such amazing um, careers speaking at um, at AEM and, and other uh, national conferences. So seeing these 
young or fresh uh, speakers just start out um, and seeing what they what they can do has been really, really enjoyable. And then kind of my other my other uh, big kind of AEM role this year has been um, to chair the new uh, section leadership committee, which was formed under Dr. Jones um, as a kind of a, a more structured way to um, to coordinate kind of all six of AEM sections. And uh, we kind of in my involvement in YPS and EUS and women kind of we over the past few years have kind of been slowly coming together and sharing kind of resources and how how things are done and now now there's this committee that can um, have its primary focus of of doing that and helping to streamline processes across sections um, create better kind of communication and um, and really allow each kind of new council to hit the ground running and really be able to get um, to accomplish everything they they set out to. How incredibly exciting to be pioneering this whole brand new project. Um, I don't know when you sleep, uh, but other than that, (laughs) can't thank you enough for joining us. If there was one final thought, a pearl of great value that you would like to leave with the listeners, what piece of advice would you give everybody? Things may not turn out the way or may not look like what you expect them to look like. And that's okay, and sometimes and often better. Um, so I think a lot of people that go into medicine, you know, there's a kind of a, a clear structure of how things should go. Med, you know, undergrad, med school, residency, fellowship, X, Y, and Z, and um, to be a little bit more kind of open-minded when things don't work out the way you expect them to, um, because you know it's your, your journey's not over. And when you look back. Uh, you may, you may find that things, things really worked out the way they were supposed to. And on that note, (laughs) we're going to go ahead and say so long and farewell to all of our listeners. Can't wait to see you next time on Women's Wisdom. Thanks so much. Thank you. Hope you have enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 8,000 emergency physicians dedicated to board certification and democratic group practice. For more information about AAEM, visit our website at www.aaem.org. Find all episodes of this podcast and our other podcast series on the AAEM website under resources and then publications. Join us again next episode for a new journey through emergency medicine.